All right. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Amy. What movie did we just watch, and also what day is it? We just watched Friday the 13th, the original, uncut. Uncut. On Friday the 13th and, and Full Moon. And. I think. Facebook it is. It is a, has told me that. also what I saw on social media. I didn't actually fact check. No. Why would we do that? But it is, it is confirmed that today is Friday the 13th. It we is definitely, definitely have confirmed Friday that. The 13th. And it's likely that there's a full moon because that's what the internet said. And that the internet's always right. Always right. Always Never right. wrong. Never always lies. Right. Yeah, we just watched Friday the 13th, the original. I think for the first time for both of us. Yes. And until um, yesterday, I thought that Friday the 13th and Halloween were the same movie. Like, so, really? Like, you thought they were the same movie? I mean, no, I didn't think they were the same movie, but... They were interchangeable, That's fair. and I wasn't actually conscious that Jamie Lee Curtis was not in like, Friday the Thirteenth, and Jason wasn't the like. Yeah. No, Jason is the bad guy Jason, in this one. Well, sort of. Mike Myers. <laughs> Spoilers. Is um, Halloween. Jason's not the bad guy in the original Friday the Thirteenth, which I always think is one of the best things. I knew that going into this. I, um, I knew I, I'd absorb that. The the ending was the best part of this film. Yeah, you screamed. That was real fun. <laughs> <laughs> We were just going along. Yeah, it could have been a thirty-minute episode of the Twilight Zone, and the ending would have gotten me. That's it. Didn't it? Didn't quite need to be a feature-length film, but um. so it's funny you say that because I was going to say that I really appreciated. Like, it was not a short movie. It was ninety minutes, ninety-five, roughly, based on we started around seven. It's about eight thirty now. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I appreciate the. Um, relative lack of fluff in terms of like story yeah like this is a movie about some kids some teenagers in the woods getting murdered yep that's exactly what it is yep and i appreciated that i yeah i appreciate that 90 minutes is short yeah for um for any movie for for film so it was cutting out all those uh fluff yeah getting straight to the point um most of the time when it was like trying to be atmospheric, I didn't really buy it. Um, I think some of that is just the age of the film and my expectations. Um, although I will say when she was making coffee for some reason, that was the one scene that I was like, oh, this is tense. Like, because she's maybe the last one left and yeah. we don't know what's going on. Like, that was yeah. the first time I was like, ooh, ooh, it's working. For just watching her make instant coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, I got an appropriate like level of tingles in my chest, tummy, tingle areas, wherever you get scary atmospheric tingles. Yes. Yeah. All the places. Did you find it at all scary? Um, just the ending. Just the ending. <laughs> I mean, most of it, I think that I've aged out of um, it being, both in terms of it being from 1980. Yeah. And... Um, I haven't aged a lot of scary movies, though. I, I mean, we've seen some really good scary movies. This this one was almost kind of Hitchcock-like. Yeah. Hitchcock-esque. Um, it, it, it was, reminded me of Psycho. Like, the... Yeah. Kind of the progression of, Psycho. Of, of things. The, oh, the to- like, the I feeling. say that I haven't actually seen Psycho. Oh. I know. I've seen Psycho. <laughs> I know, right? What's wrong with me? I've seen the first third... Of the Gus Van Sant Psycho remake from the 90s. When they did a shot-for-shot remake of Psycho, but in color. 
and with Vince Vaughn nope. as Norman Bates. None of this counts. No, See, it doesn't. Third of the movie. I'm not saying it counts. I'm just saying that's what I've seen. Well, but I thought of it in those terms as was kind of suspenseful rather yes. than scary or yeah. horror. Um, which is something I think is lacking in a lot of the movies that came after this. I'm yeah, I'm I'm actually really surprised by it because it wasn't the formula I thought it was going to be. Yeah, that was one of the things I know I took notes on was that, you know, for Halloween and Friday the thirteenth and really um Nightmare on Elm Street are sort of this like in my mind this triptych of Yeah horror movies that sort of started this this slasher trend. Right. And Nightmare on Elm Street is gonzo. Like, it's all over the place. Yeah. It always has been. Um, and Halloween is much closer to the formula that we believe scary movies are supposed to have. Because you and I, I think, both grew up with, like, Scream as our Yeah, that's point. exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> of, like, Scream came out at a time where it was one of my first kind of horror films yeah, that and Scream, I saw. Yeah, and Scream is a great film. Scream holds and, up really well. Right, and it explains the formula, and mm-hmm. I just assumed that the horror movies previous to Scream followed this formula. And I think, I think a lot of movies past... The original Halloween and the original uh, Friday the 13th created that formula in a way that the two original films didn't. Yeah. Um, did you know going into this that Jason was not the bad guy in this movie? was not the killer? Um, no, I didn't. And I read the back of the film and it said Jason was the <laughs> killer. And, and, um, and I have another, I have a, I'm going to pin this. Okay. I have another comment about Jason for later in the show. But no, I, I yeah, thought no, it Jason... is. It's uh, spawned 11 sequels in the genre's unstoppable bad guy, Jason Voorhees. Yeah, so I read the back and I was like, <laughs> cool. Because I had just discovered that Friday the 13th and Halloween were not the same <laughs> film. Yeah, Michael um, Myers is the other one. <laughs> right, they're not interchangeable. They're two separate entities. Do you know who the bad guy is on Nightmare on Elm Street? It's Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Right. Okay. You are correct. <laughs> that. Um, yeah, no, I always Jason. Jason was the bad guy. Well, Jason is the bad guy in every other Friday the 13th movie. Up to up through and including Jason X and Jason Goes to Hell. Jason X is the one where he goes to space. Like, this movie series goes severely off the rails. I, yeah, but I was thinking it was Psycho 2. There were sequels to Psycho. There were. That were probably... I've heard Psycho 2 is not terrible. Oh, like, Psycho no. 2 does some interesting things. It's not It's not Psycho. I, but yeah. I, 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 did, I did, I've not heard good things about Psycho 3. <laughs> Jason goes to space. Yeah, Jason X is the one raised in space. Okay. That's, yeah, he gets a, he gets weird. a new mask that's made of metal. This movie doesn't have the mask. Uh, wait, does Jason have the hockey mask? Jason has the hockey mask. Well, what does Mike Myers have? <laughs> Mike Myers has the white painted mask with like the shock of hair on top. Nope, I'll, I'll pull it up for you. These sound like the same mask to, <laughs> to Amy. <laughs> to play the but... home game of Five Degrees Between Us, Google Michael Myers mask. Well, yeah, we just watched the the clip from Baby Di- Driver. We about did, the Mike which is Myers one of my mask. favorite jokes in that entire movie. But it's uh, so that's not what actually... Michael okay. Myers wears. Okay, Michael Myers has a white face. Yeah, fun fact: the in original the hair. Okay, the original Michael Myers mask was a Star Trek Captain Kirk mask painted white. 
in the later films, they changed it and made a unique mask just for him. But like in the very first movie, it is. And you can kind of tell when you know that when you watch the first, it's like, yeah, like I, it's like a it's like a low budget Shatner latex mask. Okay, okay. I I have seen Halloween. I've seen Halloween. I don't remember when. I think I might have been in college. Yeah. So Halloween's really good too. I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed Halloween. I haven't actually seen Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but yeah, Jason's mom was the killer, which I think is one of the better, like twists if you can call it yeah that. well i think that's a lot of what connects it to psycho in my mind too oh yeah thoughts. i hadn't even thought of that of, but as that, but as a comparison yeah. yeah so at the end of psycho do you know the end of psycho i do Kevin? know the end of okay. psycho i know the entire plot of psycho i just haven't watched it okay. i know that all right janet lee dies in like the first half which was a big shock they didn't expect it to be, right. and we thought throughout most of the movie you're expected to believe that it's Norman Bates' mother, and the reveal at the end is that his mother Norman. was dead the whole time. Did I say something else? No. No, okay. No, yeah, no, it was no. Norman Bates the whole time. The whole time, yeah. And he was hearing voices or pretending to be his mother. It was very complicated. He was the titular psycho. Yes. I, I know that about Psycho. But yes, yes. I, hadn't, I hadn't made that connection. So that made that, that, made that connection yeah i know i hadn't thought about that but that was that's a real good thought um yeah i didn't i didn't see that and just the way that the mother let's see i did pull up with betsy palmer Mm -hmm. who played um mrs Voorhees. yeah there was just something classical to me in her like classic film acting no i definitely i definitely see that and what and how um she presented how she acted Mm mm-hmm yeah, I thought, Performance. I thought she did a... That's, yeah, that's the, word. the words. That's the word. <laughs> Performance. I thought she did a really good job. I really I really appreciated her showing up when she did. Because um, I was a little bit bored of everybody just dying in kind of boring ways. Yeah, I think that's where I was coming. Okay, this could have been a 30-minute Twilight yeah. Zone um, episode. Which is not to belittle the, the film at all. No, it's, no. I think... Um, yeah. But, yeah. It, it definitely... Um, piqued my interest when she showed up yeah it's like there's this nice old lady coming up in her jeep yeah yeah she's here to help and yeah and so she's had some sort of psychotic break probably yes, um, yes. although I'm, I'm sure that's not how psychotic breaks typically work or actually work well but. we know the horror film genre has a huge problem with women and and mental illness yes. or depictions uh, thereof yes um ways to pathologize women yes um, so yeah that this is one of the things i didn't expect that uh well one it wasn't the virgins yeah that was that her. was like that was my immediate first thought when the first person that died wasn't right having, like the first two people that died weren't had had no sex yeah yeah so they had not just lost their virginity mm-hmm. um and like equal number of men and women. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was. Well, it was. Yeah, it was four and four if you count uh, the woman who was kind of hiking in, and then the camp counselor, like the owner. It was four and four. Sorry, oh, I forgot. Okay, um, yeah. So I was surprised that the men and the women. Right off the bat, it's it's a, a man and a woman who get killed. Yes. Yeah. Like, the first murder is a woman, the second murder is a guy, and it's... Nope. Other way around. 
stab the guy first, and then the woman. No, the hiker in the woods was the first. The hitchhiker. No. Oh, I was thinking of 1958. When the movie oh, starts in a flashback. Yes, sorry. No, you're right. You're totally right. <laughs> yes, the very first murder we see on screen, the sort of prologue, is the man dies first. Yes, yes. you okay. are correct. I was I was jumping ahead to the the Friday the Thirteenth murders, not the original. Right, and the um, you don't get the discovery of the bodies. That so, was that was the most fascinating thing to me. Yeah, you don't have this like group of people or one person running around for the majority of the film being afraid mm-hmm. of the bad guy. Yeah, yeah, like the audience is meant to be afraid, but. 90% maybe not 90 but like the first six murders happen and are undiscovered um, which was really interesting again growing up with Scream and sort of these language of, of the horror slasher films that came later you're just yeah you're expecting that's that's a lot of the tour tour horror torture uh of watching <laughs> the characters be afraid mm-hmm. of this, this yeah it, the idea is that you're afraid because they're afraid and there's that sort of that parallel thing right and most of this film we the audience know they've died but, but the rest of the yeah. characters do not which if you're gonna murder a bunch of kids in the woods seems a much more effective way to do it <laughs> Yeah, yeah, especially when you're murdering them slasher style. Yeah. Um, where the numbers matter, mm-hmm. other weapons can be found. Yes, yeah. So if you're doing that, being able to, being sneaky about it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also appreciate there's very, again, barring the ending, there's very little like supernatural or, or unbelievableness to any of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger. Freddy Krueger is, is inherently magical. He kills right. you in your dreams. Right. And then even later, Jason's like they become these like unstoppable killing machines mm. that are that are, you know, primeval forces of nature or something like that. So you can stab them and kill them and cut off their heads, and they always come back, um, which is not true of this film. Right. Like as a standalone thing, it's very grounded in that sense. Right. I think um, things I noticed kind of dramaturgically, they set up the camp owner. Um, I think of those key scenes outside the camp. So you could be going along thinking that it maybe, could be him. maybe, oh, yeah, he, because I was, just, I was assuming the whole time a man <laughs> who was stabbing. How they get um, you. And yeah, well, and and it's shot in such a way to like lead you to that belief. Mm-hmm. Like in addition to sort of the horror movie tropes of the killer usually being male, um, including every other Friday the Thirteenth movie, but you see, you never see their face. You never like you see hands and you see sort of flannel shirts, and we have mm-hmm. a tendency to read those as male. Um, I love that you could see the collar of her flannel shirt peeking up once you started realizing what was going on. Mm. It was a little subtle I thing. Notice I noticed that. that. Uh, she had her white sweater on, but underneath you could see the red flannel that she was wearing earlier in the film. Okay. I yeah. That was yeah. Neat. yeah, they were setting up the, the, the owner like it could have been him. Right. The, the um, kind of the old town conspiracy. Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, they were setting up. I, I figured they were setting him up as a red herring. Yes. Yeah. Ralph um, screamed red herring. But the camp owner... Um, 
yeah, seeing him outside. But he's also driving in a Jeep, so you kind of a wonder of, like, yeah, oh, there's like, oh, Jeep twice. Be? Yeah. Also, he was, you know, sexually harassing yeah. the, one of the camp Al- counselors Alice, at the beginning. Was the Alice was, yeah, so he, yeah. Was, he was getting set up as, as uh, a possible great dude. Yeah. bad guy. I think also because so much of the filming, especially in the beginning of the movie, is kind of, like, first person. Like, yes. It's, it's like the camera is the eyes of yes. of the person, and in that kind of voyeurism, I'm very much trained to see male gaze. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, well, because it's I feel like almost all of the film feels like it was shot handheld, like it was a handheld camera, and certain times, of course, they dial that up when you're getting those POV shots. But I found that really. Um, the camera work very effective in the sense that like I couldn't always tell like there were times when I'm definitely like this is a POV shot but sometimes like is this just a handheld shot or am I looking through the eyes of the killer mm-hmm. which ratchets up the tension because mm-hmm. you know usually it's from behind we can't see what's going you know we can't see where they're looking things like that where it's like this could be the killer POV but not necessarily and that that uneasiness I found really effective yeah I thought it, it was definitely set up that, like, the murders start happening as soon as the the owner leaves, which was really interesting. Yeah. And we really, uh, what about, what about the ending? How did you feel about? Well, I knew, I knew it was going to happen. I'd, I'd been spoiled, so to speak, in what was going on. Well, but, but uh, I have a question okay. of whether the, the young woman who survives... Alice. I think that was Alice. Um, whether she actually was pulled down by... Was Jason real? Oh, that's an interesting question. Or is, um, is that a kind of a hallucination on her so part? So, in the context of just this film, I read that as a hallucination. Right, right. Um, kind of what in it. the context of the greater Friday the 13th universe... Obviously, I know Jason's around, and he's a murderer. He's also, like, seven feet tall and not a child in the other movies. So, like, um, But I read that very much as her imagining that. Yeah. Um, I don't even know if she fell in the water. Like, I and, like I could see, like, the cops just pulling her out unconscious and she having this dream and waking up. Because it's very much shot in the way that, like, she goes under and then she wakes up in the hospital, mm-hmm. which could be a dream. And, and, semiologically, I read that as a dream. Did you read it differently? Uh, no, I, I did see it as, as a dream, as something that didn't happen mm-hmm. in, in the real world. Which was the, um, I'm going to say that was the first time we really see a, a hysterical woman, arguably the mother we could read her. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't know if I'd read her as hysterical. I, I wouldn't see it as in hysterical, but this this pathologizing that happens in yes. horror films around women is yes. also often this anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that is the first time we really womanhood. see that. Yeah, yeah, and I did. I I thought maybe for a second that Alice did it all. That's really, the the ending oh. um, that when they jumped to the hospital that they were going to tell her. So I thought that, I thought that might be that a thing. Maybe, like you murdered all these people. Yeah, yeah. 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 You're under arrest for the murder of all of these people. Yeah. I, thought um, that. I, I certainly read that as a possibility in that moment. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think also because of that film, 
with Alice and Hannigan that you've been trying to get me to watch. <laughs> I think you might be the killer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it's suggested that the camp killer might be the person running from... Yes. Um, I do want to watch that stuff. Yeah. No, I, well, now I'm, read, I'm more ready to watch it now. Yeah. Um, I don't... Honestly, I don't think it'll be good, as good as this. I think this will be better I think film. this is a classic. I don't know how this... I, I'm not a film critic, so I, I don't read film language as well. Yeah. As kind of live performance, but... Um, I don't know where this fits in in like classic is it, is it, films you teach it in film yeah. school. I mean, if I was teaching a slasher movie class, this would have to be. Oh in yeah, there. yeah. Um, or even like it's like, funny to me. Like there's good horror and there's just grotesque, yeah. like bloody horror, which isn't. It's. It's violent, but it's not scary. It's not yeah, suspenseful. The, the saw or the hostels of the world that are that are gory first. And and I wouldn't call those good films or good horror films. Yes, I I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm thinking about like there's always this sort of classic, like super film studies 101 about like the the blade is a phallus cutting into these women. Text. Well, yeah. well, because there's so much psychoanalytical oh, yeah. things happening. <laughs> but it's funny because I don't, I didn't read that into this very much. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I was mis- yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I would say like if I was teaching a film class and this came up, like I would want to show this film or study this film as like almost like it is a perspective of like how did we get from this to this more highly scripted stylized very literal the sort of stuff that scream is responding right, to it's women's sexuality the yeah. knife is a phallus yeah because i think what happened is somewhere between friday the 13th and halloween and nightmare and the dozens of films that came out in response to those you end up with scream yeah like scream is not a direct response to these scream is a response to all of the movies that came after this um which is important because I think that means these can still hold up really well. Right. It's important to go back to the original source material yeah. rather than um, the art. reference to the reference to the reference. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Whereas you could look at something like, um, you know, My Bloody Valentine or, uh, I mean, there's so many of these like date, specific date, hollow, like horror mm-hmm. movies. There's a Black Christmas is a popular one. I don't know if it's popular. One I know. Like, there's all of these, like, pick a day of the week, or a day of the calendar and turn it into a horror film because of Halloween and Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Um, none of which I suspect stand up nearly as well as, as this does to long-term viewing. Well, Friday the 13th and Halloween both have spooky superstition yes. around. Um, I, don't, I just, I got Thanksgiving on the mind. I'm, that... <laughs> that I mean, you can make a movie, but it's going to be better Thanksgiving. Yeah, no, yeah. My mind went to history, and and, and I'm not... This would be a weird horror film. What? <laughs> that would be a weird It would be. Um, Eli Roth, the director of... This is just a fun fact for you. Eli Roth, the director of Hostel, which was definitely in those gore-for-fun-sake f- films, um, directed a fake trailer for a movie that... That aired, but do you remember Grindhouse, the Grindhouse double mm-hmm. feature with uh, Tarantino and Rodriguez mm-hmm. making their own movies? Between that, they aired two 
two or three fake movie trailers, and one of them was directed by Eli Roth, which was a slasher film about Thanksgiving. Okay. Fun fact. I mean, I've seen the carving knife, oh, yeah. turkey, but uh, but then my mind also goes to the genocide, and that is not... <laughs> I mean, that is, that's something that you could easily misuse in a horror film. Yeah, that's not <laughs> funny or something to necessarily put into a horror film. Yeah, there was there was some some real casual racism throughout this movie towards Native people. Oh yeah, yeah, not, not yeah. in a way that like got punished like the way you think like oh sex is bad and so we kill the sexual people. Well, again, I'm so trained to think about uh, problematic Native American representation in horror films as either a Native American cemetery yes. or some sort of Native American ghost yes. spirit. This was just... This was just just, just casual, everyday racism. Yeah. <laughs> just your everyday summer camp racism. Yes. It, yes. Was not, it was not deeper than that or, or using that for anything. Yeah, it had no connection whatsoever to the, the horror part of it. Yeah. If anything, it was... It was set dressing it was sort of setting the location yes like this is that kind of summer camp that exists i mean still to this day that uses this fake semiotics of native culture yes to create an atmosphere mm-hmm. which uh, this did as well um i appreciate it i think this is something we don't get enough of in horror movies i appreciate that at least one person got killed during the day like i feel like we need more daylight horror yeah. Like, you can murder people anytime. Okay, that's another one that goes against this kind of formula. Yeah. We've been trained to think in, in, in horror. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, just murdered in the woods straight up. Um, I will say, like, even for being the uncut version, um, relatively tame in terms of violence and gore and sexuality. Yeah. Um... Again, Hitchcockian in that sort of way. Like, Hitchcock never did a lot of that. Um, so it's funny to me, to, again, to see, like, I feel like so many horror films learned the wrong lessons from these movies. Well, this is not a scary movie, really. I mean, yeah. it's maybe suspenseful. Yeah, I would say suspense. I, I was just going along yeah, with... Watching with these the, kids get murdered. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, not, not a lot of actual violence yeah and even and even the violence that was depicted was not over the top right short of the decapitation at the very end yeah. the fans <laughs> continuing to move that was... all in slow motion yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you guys know that was like their big special effect for the entire movie mm-hmm. cost them a whole 30 dollars <laughs> yeah you're gonna take their time you're gonna own it um i don't care even if you're stripping, Monopoly seems really boring. Yeah. <laughs> that was a thought I had during this movie. Like, we're going to strip Monopoly. And I'm like, that still sounds boring. It, it does. It does. Like, there's better games to it take would, off your clothes with. It would, even it if would, that's it would still take for. a very long time to strip down. You're still looking at six hours. Yeah, too much. Uh, and okay. you're not having enough fun that time. Yeah. I will say, um, that is one way that this movie did adhere slightly more close to the quote-unquote formula that we learn is the final girl is the least sexual of anyone in this movie okay like when she's about to take her top off during strip monopoly he's like i didn't know if you were gonna do it i hadn't made up my mind yet Mm. 
Um, whereas the other two women were more blatantly sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, very fine line. Like I don't, I, I wouldn't write a paper on it. But it's interesting that is one like I could see that like oh she didn't take her top off so now that creates this idea of like the virgin sacrifice being the one that ends and you end up with Cabin in the Woods. Uh, one of my favorite lines at the end of Cabin in the Woods is when their quote unquote virgin like realizes that's the role she's playing. Oh, she's like I'm not a virgin. It. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. it's metaphor. It's not literal. <laughs> right. right, and Cabin in the Woods is another film that has taught me what the uh, the, the formula. Structure. Yes, yeah. It's very much about mm-hmm. meta analysis of that that yeah. formula. Also, a really good film. Yes, yes, very good film. Other thoughts? Um, here's my thought about Jason Voorhees because yeah. I read the back of the yeah, thing. Yeah, you read the back of the thing. And the only uh, the only other place I've ever heard Voorhees is in the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That was Jacqueline White's husband. Was Voorhees? <laughs> and suddenly that whole relationship like took on new meaning for I me. I had not thought about that until this moment, I, but that's I, real I think- good. <laughs> so, uh, I. I feel like that has to be intentional. Yeah, on the show's that's part. gotta be. Um, it's like oh, I, I know this name. Yeah, I know this name. That's a weird connection. That is that's a weird connection. <laughs> oh, and we should add that the special uncut version that we watched has eleven seconds of restored of, footage. Yes. What do you the think original. the eleven seconds were? I don't know, a frame here and there of... <laughs> Just completely evenly spaced over the entire movie. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I mean, it didn't feel like there was anything that... Like, I haven't seen the original, quote-unquote. But there was nothing that was like, this seems like a gratuitous scene that was added back in. Which so often happens with extended cuts. Yes. Where you're like, oh, this was a deleted scene, and I understand why it was deleted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But 11 seconds, this was just an excuse to sell a new copy. Yeah. The DVD. To someone. We didn't buy it. It's a deluxe edition, though. It has special features that also has. Yeah. It's got uh, commentary from the director and crew. It's got a a getting the band back together feature. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting that um, I have never heard of the director of this film, Sean Mm. S. Cunningham, Mm -mm. in that, like, I don't know what else he's done, but he didn't go on to become like John Carpenter did with Halloween. Like John Carpenter right. is in a name that is, he does things other than horror, but he is very, a very well-known director. Yes. Um, and Wes Craven did the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Like yeah. again, like a, just a, a, a household name when it comes to these sorts of things. So uh, yeah, Sean S. Cunningham is not one of those names, mm-hmm. which is interesting. No. And none of the actors uh, did I recognize except for... Except for Kevin Bacon. Baby Kevin Baby Bacon. Kevin Bacon. I think this might be pre-Footloose. I don't know what year Footloose is. I mean, it could, it could be pre-Footloose, definitely. He's a baby. I think if it was post-Footloose, he would have died later. That's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but that's the only actor. Yeah. Yeah, not a, not a huge cast of like future fame people um but i guess like halloween you had jamie lee curtis who is jamie lee curtis now yeah jant lee's daughter so there was a big connection what (laughs) (laughs) that that was the connection (laughs) 
things Kevin just learned. Like, I probably knew that at some point, but I yeah. didn't like, ever make that connection. Janet Lee is Janet psycho. Lee's daughter, daughter Jamie Halloween. Lee Curtis was in Halloween. <laughs> That's part of, like, what makes Halloween such a you know, classic film, is that lineage. <laughs> Today I learned. That's fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, Jamie Lee Curtis is an amazing actress in her own right and has gone on to do lots of really great things. Yes. Does she have yes. a daughter who's now in horror movies? Uh, not that I know of. Okay. <laughs> I feel like someone should tell me if that's the case. I, I'm very... My cat is trying to attack me right now. Yes, it's playtime. We're going to go on the floor because you're biting me. Yeah, I think that was... Um... Most of my impressions. Yeah, that's most of what I had. Um, I think it's funny it took place in the present, which is I, I, I was when they flashed back to 1958 as the opening scene took place, and I thought it was funny. Like, I wonder if it's going to say like 1980 or if it's going to say the present, because that's what movies always say when they come out is the present. They don't establish when they're happening. You just have to know when the present is. Um. Yeah, I have to think about, because, you know, when you think about the past, it's hard to tell time, how long how past. How long ago things were. So, so when 1958 was about 20 years, is my math, yes, my math yeah, is right, about 20 years, years before yeah. um, the this, present, <laughs> which to my brain now seems like a long time between 1980 and 1958 but really this is like <laughs> like it was taking place in 2000 yeah like, like 19 so 1980 to 2002 is the same span of time yeah or yeah. if it if it was 22 years ago from today that would be 1997 yeah yeah so it doesn't seem like such an ancient yeah curse what was the weird fact we learned about time recently in movie releases ouch <clears throat> Our cat bot just bit me. Um, I, <laughs> about movie releases? I feel like... Maybe... I feel like this happened at Book Club. Maybe you weren't there. Maybe I wasn't there. It was the distance between, like, something and a famous movie... Um, Felicity. And a famous movie and, like, Citizen Kane. Like, the, the relative time oh, periods. Oh, yeah. It was, like, now to the time of Casablanca... And Casablanca to the end of the Civil War. That's what it was, was yes. At the same time. Yeah, the distance between now and the release of Casablanca is roughly equivalent to the time between the release of Casablanca and the Civil War. That doesn't sound right to me. Well, let's check it. Let's check it live. That doesn't sound right. We'll fact check. Because the end of the the Civil War is 1865. Okay. When did Casablanca come out? Um, Let's see. 1942. Okay. Are you gonna to minus one eight six five seventy seven years. Okay. So two oh one nine. Oh wait, this might check out. Seventy seven is nineteen forty two. Seventy seven years. Oh, so Casablanca <laughs> is in the middle of time from the end of the Civil War to, to now. Go. There you go. Now you know that. Time's weird. Time is weird. Time is weird. <laughs> Well, I can get oh, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else. Um, we uh, can sit here continuing to scream as our cat bites us. 
and playtime. Yeah, I I enjoyed this movie. I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we watched it from like a classic film. Uh, I like the ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have trouble with older movies. Yes, I, and I know. older TV shows. Did that, did that crop up in this? Like the look of no, it? No, I was okay. Yeah. I was okay. I it doesn't make any sense to me why I have trouble with older. <laughs> movies and enjoying them but um yeah i wrote one more thing that i was gonna write down uh instant coffee i feel like of the things that placed this movie in a time like the casual racism and instant coffee Mm -hmm. set this in a place very specifically in my brain yeah this is these are the thoughts i had when the instant coffee came out it was one that's what my grandmother drank um <laughs> when i was when i was little which mm-hmm. made me think of maybe that was like uh something <laughs> in the past that yeah. people liked instant it was, it coffee was convenient. more like that was the thing about it it um, was it was easy yeah and then my mind went to post them, and that time we decided. My mind to also <laughs> went to post them. I'm glad your mind went to post them, which is still in the pantry. Yeah, we still have a jar of post them um, in our pantry. Yeah, the yeah. wheat-based hot beverage. It's like drinking hot bread. Yeah, but not as good. <laughs> no, hot bread is is good, but drinking <laughs> it is is not it's a weird. Weird beverage that we still own some of. Yeah. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, it did remind me. I had the same thought of like, oh, it's kind of like postum. Instant Put some coffee. in the cup and then a little sugar on top. We didn't put any sugar in our postum. Yeah, I don't know who drink, still drinks instant coffee. Yeah, I mean they sell it. I see it at the grocery store. So people make somebody. It. Yeah, yeah, Folgers crystals. Yeah. Um, oh, I also thought about it from the perspective of like, oh, it's a camp, so like. Yeah, but like you camp thing percolator yeah. that you put on the stove yeah. and. I mean, coffee is a relatively low-tech beverage. Yeah. That's the whole point. I feel like in old westerns, <laughs> they'd have coffee out on the prairie. Yeah, then you just boil the grounds and the water together and pour it out. clearly historically accurate. Yes. Definitely <laughs> historically accurate. Yeah, old western movies were nothing but histori- history. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was all. That was all I had. Was the, I wanted to mention the instant coffee? Yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing the snake in the cabin um, made me think about how many times we found black snakes in our house <laughs> in North Carolina. Um, yeah, I'm gonna shake down the bed tonight just to just double, in case. Check. Just in case there's a snake in there, you got to be wary. Um, yeah, the whole environment reminded me, even though it was it was filmed in New Jersey. Yeah. But it reminded me of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. I see that. Camps. Of course. That was the other thing that was interesting, so I have more to say, apparently. Um, the idea that this camp, which we don't get a sense for how big it really is, the idea that this camp is staffed by, like, eight people, like, makes me go, it's got to be a pretty small camp. I think she said something like 50 staff, fifty campers and 10 staff, something like that. I when, she was, but, yeah. when she was hitching a ride with the trucker at the very beginning of the movie. Yeah. Um... And, like, that's weird to me only because, like, when I went to camps as a kid, there were, like, a few hundred people there mm. and 50 staff. That would have made um, less of a horror movie, I feel like. Yes. That many people <laughs> around. Yeah, with just, like, the eight, I think, because I think there was eight total what we'll call victims yeah. in the film, including Alice, who did not die at the end. But Yeah, it's a quality... Quality film. Yeah, absolutely. Belongs in the in the horror movie 
canon discussion. Yeah, and I feel like I learned something, too. Yeah, we we all learned things. I learned about Jason Lee and Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Jason Lee is a different actor. Yes. Um, Most well-known, probably, for My Name is Earl now. Although I knew him, of course, from Kevin Smith films growing up. And he was a skateboarder. Not related to Jamie Lee Curtis. That I know As far as I know. Yeah. (laughs) That's always a fun game that we play. Yeah. Who's that actor? Yeah. That was fun. All right. I think that's all I got. Yep. Happy Friday the 13th. 13th, On a full moon. On a full moon. And I'll probably release this like before I go to bed tonight. So it'll be live. So it'll be be ready on Friday the 13th. Yeah. You can listen to it immediately. Yeah. It's about our podcasts. All right. Well, we'll sign off. Good night, Kevin. Good night, Amy. (laughs) Oh, that was the other thing. Uh, Say good night, Gracie. And then good night, Gracie was not actually a bit that Burns and Allen did. Oh, you just made that up. No, it wasn't. So Burns and Allen would end their shows with say goodnight, Gracie. And then Gracie would just say goodnight. But oh. it was sort of an exasperated, like, say goodnight, Gracie. We're, I'm done. We're, I'm retired. Say goodnight, Gracie. And she's like, goodnight. And it was later. <laughs> the goodnight, Gracie was a later addition by, like, other people because it's a very Burns and Allen-esque sort of joke because she played sort of the ditzy character. But that's not how the show's ended. It was just say goodnight, Gracie. Well, so that... This got cut off for the last podcast, but I was saying that in Tina Fey sitcoms, there's always one of the production companies at the end who says something like, good night, Gracie. It's good night. Yes. So is that I related to? I would have to do more research. Tune in next time on Five Degrees Between Us. Okay. Maybe I'll find out the answer to that. That seems like, uh, like a Tina Fey thing would... Oh, yeah. Be- Tina Fey would absolutely reference old Burns and Allen stuff. Yeah. As a student of comedy. All right. All right. Good night, Amy. <laughs> Good night, Kevin. Good night, Internet. <laughs>